Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Markets Show. I'm John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle. I am joined today by Stephen Wilmot, Companies Editor. Hi, John. How are you doing? Very well. Excellent. And Graham Davis, the uh, news editor this week. Hello, John. Yes, I'm back this week. I'm back. Yes. Good, good. And over in the control room, Dominic Toms. How are you doing, Dom? Doing very well. Thank good, you. yeah. Dom's been uh, away for a little bit, dealing with a, a new arrival. How's it all going, Dom? All, uh, it's going well. Relate, Broken you, sleep. Easing into it now. The usual. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, lots to talk about today. Not least the big news, news that made uh, even the front page of the national newspapers, which is deflation. Mm, um, or is it? Well, who knows? Uh, it's good deflation, isn't it? According to Mr. Osborne, <laughs> apparently yes, um, it would but, be. But uh, yeah, we'll come on to that. We've got lots of results this week, uh, which Stephen's going to uh, talk us through. Uh, some biggies, M&S and uh, Vodafone reported this week, and the big uh, property companies, big property companies. So uh, lots to talk about there. We'll come on to that in a minute. And uh, most importantly and enjoyably of all, we're going to talk about beer because there was a really mm. quite interesting takeover this week. Sab Miller bought a little craft brewer called Meantime, uh, which you know quite well, don't you, Dom? I do know. Yeah, you, you live what next door to the one of the brewers up there. Uh, that is correct. Yeah. Wonderful. 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 And you get lots of goodies at Christmas. I did get lots of goodies. Okay, let's start with deflation. Prices fell in April by yes, a very small amount. Marginally, by 0.1%. So, huge outpouring of comment mm. on this. Uh, as I said, lots of front pages. I think the Evening Standard uh, even managed to write a headline back to the 1960s with prices. Now, we're not quite there because I think you could buy a house for about two and a half grand yeah. in, in 1960. Um, and actually, house prices rose this month in some regions so uh not deflation in that particular asset but mm. uh, but but general prices the consumer price index which measures the the things we buy on an everyday basis that that fell by a fraction of a percent a fraction of a percent this is the oil price effect that big four and then obviously we've had uh we've still got the supermarket wars going on so yep. food prices are falling and really you know I, I don't think it was it was no great surprise to anyone the surprising thing was the amount that people had to say about it indeed indeed um, most of which was exactly the same which yeah. is that it's nothing to worry about mm-hmm. and it's going to be temporary and that yeah. was borne out by the um the retail sales figures for april which were released today um volumes are up strongly so month on month they rose 1.2 percent in april which is pretty strong stronger than consensus which is at 0.4 percent and on an annualized basis that's 4.7 percent so compared with april 2014 which is really quite strong so okay, we, did, so, yeah. we did have a nice warm and sunny well i did anyway yeah with a nice warm and sunny easter in, in april, yes that's right and always that's, helps and, that, retail sales. and that's buoyed clothing in particular mm. Um, so yeah, there was a weather effect which would have brought forward some purchases from from later in the spring. But mm. um, I mean, it, it shows that the consumer recovery story is is still on track, and that the deflation is, if anything, increasing um, volumes. Indeed. So I guess the point that George Osborne, the Chancellor, was keen to make was that this isn't bad deflation, the kind that Japan is mm. suffering, which is a essentially a spiral where prices deflate and deflate and deflate and it, and, and it goes and, on for and, a very long and time. And people delay purchases. And people delay purchases. Uh, so good you, in, in expectation that the price will be cheap tomorrow or the mm. month after or the month after that. This is this is good deflation. Where for consumers, for but, consumers, but not for companies. Well, indeed, we'll come on to that. But yeah. uh, it's good deflation for consumers, putting a little bit more money in people's pockets. Wages are starting to rise moderately. So they say. Um, so they say. <laughs> oh, we had a little yeah, modest wage. <laughs> yeah, so this all means in aggregate a little bit more to spend and that's happening so good deflation which is, which and, is and it's proving so good for the politicians good for george, george osborne it proves he was, on, on, was right on, on that note i thought it was quite interesting this comparison with 1960 because of course that was when harold Macmillan was in power 
And it was Harold Macmillan who famously told Britons that they'd never had it so good. Mm. It's very much consumer prosperity. Yeah, consumer boom time. And it's interesting that, you know, we've got back to... Yeah, it's point. funny. I, I, I wouldn't want to like overstretch that comparison. No, no. I, I, funny enough, I was speaking to my uh, speaking to my mum and dad about the 1960s the other day, as you do, and uh, they told they told me they said the 60s were a great time. You could walk out of school into a job. You know, it was that easy. And you could pick and choose who you went to work for. That's kind of not the case today. I mean, we talk about you know a great great UK economic recovery story, but I mean, if you're a graduate, you don't walk out of mm. school or university straight into a job these days. So that doesn't yeah. happen. So I think I don't know. It looks a bit smoke and mirrorsy to me. This whole thing, this mm. whole discussion at the moment. And you know, as you said, deflation not necessarily good for companies. Not necessarily good for companies. I mean, as, so M&S had results yesterday, and actually they beat expectations and they were pretty good. But that was mainly to do with margin gains, um, better sourcing, efficiency, not the top line picture mm. yeah, they're so not selling any more pairs of pants are they? no exactly well um, they're selling I mean, less aren't they so, so, <laughs> yeah, so, i mean clothing sales so are for, the, well for, the, for the year yeah the, there was a like for like decline of three percent now one of the things that cheered the market um was that they returned to growth to like for like growth in the general merchandise i.e the clothing division in the final quarter mm. but actually i think the main reason why the market was excited wasn't that it was it was to do with the margin the margin was better than expected and they said it would improve further they talk about share buyback as well, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, market likes that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but they, there was a sense that, that they may have finally got a grip operationally. Operationally. Which has been an issue exactly. for a long time. Stock levels have been way out for and the on- quite a while. The so online... they, may, they may be getting a grip. And the online operation is they've finally got yeah, it sorted out. Because that, that was actually a drag on last year, mm. given given that that's the growth bit of the retail yeah. market. So. got to get that right. I've just pulled something from Debenhams online, actually. Yes. It was a right pain. Was it the trench coat? It was a trench coat. Yeah, yeah I'm on trend, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was a pain. Um, in my yeah, experience of, of shopping with Debenhams online today, is that they have not got that yeah, right. They, we haven't they, seen from, her from Debenhams yet. Have no, we, we haven't. Uh, no. Yeah. Burberry, if you want to talk trench coat. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Moving swiftly can't on. Can't afford Burberry trench well, coat. Well, I've Bur- just bought a new car, so I can't <laughs> afford Burberry trench coats. Burberry did talk about um, some uncertainty in certain markets, and I think they were hinting at some of the Asian markets as well, because that, you know, right, there, there is course. some concern growing about China at the moment, and that, that is, you know, that that's still hanging around. Certainly, that's been one of their growth areas. Burberry is overseas. So. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so China, I mean, it's the big economic picture is that there was a, a big outflow of capital from, mm, uh, from yeah. the Chinese market this month, which is uh, the figures somewhat were, worrying. Yeah, well, it's, it's all, all year so far, really. Money's been flowing out of China, mm. which is it's normally the other way around. Uh, trading, it, it, it's trading quite well, but um, I think there was a balance of payments deficit of $80 billion. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. The stock market's flying there as well still. The stock market it's, is absolutely flying, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's a call. Yeah. I it's always know. been difficult to call China, though, hasn't oh, yeah, it? It's, it's so opaque. It seems to be getting worse, though. I mean, there's stimulus going mm. on there, and there's property problems there in terms of residential property, and, and some of the figures are not looking great. I don't know. China China makes me nervous. Mm. And China's important, you know, Hugely. globally. Um, and actually, China... Um, is a very important market for oil. And, you yes. know, this is why I'm not, another reason I'm not convinced by the uh, good deflation argument is that, you know, one of the reasons we have experienced this falling price in April is the oil price, as you say. And, you know, and, and the, the weakening oil price is partly a supply thing, but it's mm. also uh, a demand thing. And demand has, has been weaker than, than it was expected to be. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is 
suggesting to me that we have not quite the the global growth that that, that we need. And Chris mm. Dillo has talked to the magazine about secular stagnation. And that's uh, you know it's a contentious theory, but you know if we're there, then life gets very difficult for investors to find the returns they're looking for. So I'm not I'm not 100% convinced about good deflation. Anyway, talking of slowing growth, the US is looking a bit wobbly. Yes, the the first quarter um, GDP figures um, were. The sort of estimates so far haven't looked good. And Chris Dillow wrote in our news section this week that next week the Bureau of Economic Analysis is expected to actually report that the US economy shrank in the first quarter, uh, a seasonally adjusted rate of about 1%, mm. which, is, which might just you know worry the markets a little bit it's not a great sign of uh you know it's it's not a good sign yeah well i, I actually spoke to the uh, chief investment officer up at uh, charles schwab mm. a big u.s broker uh, a couple of weeks back and uh they're, they're quite comfortable with uh with the u.s story at the moment now you know arguably you could argue they're talking their own book i mean it's, it's their market but you know they pointed to the weather which has been pretty bad mm. over in the u.s in the first quarter and there was a big uh, ports dispute uh industrial action over there which had a serious impact on uh on trade for, for a while. So, I mean, there, there are a number of issues which could have uh, impinged upon US growth in the first quarter, which won't repeat. Yeah, so, so that's it. Well, you, got, you need at least two, two quarters of, yeah. of these sort of figures to to be sure. But if there is growth there, it's not certainly not as strong as, as, as it was last year. Yeah, yeah. And as strong as arguably it needs to be. But then that's to be expected. It's, as an economy recovers, you would expect the growth to start to moderate and uh, at some point. Yeah. Which I, I guess the big question is, has it recovered enough for the interest rate rises everyone has been talking about for mm. so long to actually happen? Oh, I and, think uh, they're, they're, they're kicking that can down the road as well now, I think they? that can's going to be kicked down mm, the road yeah. sometime everywhere, quite yeah. frankly, everywhere. And and the uh, the ECB actually accelerated its bond purchasing mm. programme this week. I mean, also green shoots are, appear to be showing more strongly in Europe. I mean, that's one thing. Yeah, some of the European economies are picking up. Mm. Whether that can pick up the slack of a slowing US, who knows? Yeah, and European recovery is good for for the UK mm. UK companies because it's a big uh, it's a big trade partner. Of While ours. we're still in the EU, well, we're still in it. We've got a couple of years left uh, <laughs> at least. Um, actually, we don't generally talk about personal finance content on this podcast because they uh, the team there have their own podcast. But uh, one of the uh, features they've written this week is how you can tap into the European recovery with funds. So I'm sure they'll talk about that uh, when they record their podcast. Um, if you believe and are confident that the European recovery will continue. We've we've got some good ways to play it in the magazine this week. Okay, now the moment we've all been waiting for because mm. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about beer, one of my favourite subjects. And uh, Sab Miller has bought Meantime. It's a really strange little deal, and I say little because it is a little deal in the grand scheme of Sab Miller. And yet, like deflation, seems to have attracted. An amazing amount of press coverage. Mm. Mm. Why? Oh, journalists like beer, John. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them, shall I say. And SAB is one of those companies which is not always easy to make colourful, even though it yeah. is a brewer. Um, I, covered, it, I covered it for years. It is, it is boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think uh, journalists thought, oh, finally a story about SAB mm. that uh, is going to actually engage um, mm. a kind mm. of UK retail audience. So. I think the whole craft beer thing has been a, a big story globally, but in the UK especially, the craft breweries, the growth of those has been a sort of interesting story over the past few years. And this is another another one. It's one of mm. the biggest craft brewers that's now been being bought up by the big boys. Well, it's big in the US as well, craft beer. 
Hmm. Very, yeah. very big yeah. industry there. Um, and there, ha- there has been a couple of deals where, where some of the large brewers have uh, have bought craft beer makers. Mm. I think, uh, what's the company? Sharps makes Doombar. They got oh, bought yes. a few years back. Yep. And uh, that's one. Of, I think that's one of the biggest selling, uh, nice selling draft ales in the UK. But purists will argue that uh, since Doombar was bought, since Sharps was bought, that, you know, the, the product has, has suffered. And I guess this is the thing that, that beer purists will be worried about when it comes to the SAB takeover of... Uh, of meantime, you know whether whether the big boys really can get involved in craft beer and keep it craft. Mm-hmm. Mark Robertson, who wrote the story, he uh, he points to the fact that SAB has said, "No, we want to nurture these small brewers. We want to we want to nurture this uh, this this nascent industry." Um, Robert describes it as uh, nurturing companies in the same way that a lion might nurture a springbok. <laughs> <laughs> Though, of course, SAB is the South African company, so... It is, but, I mean, it's, it's a huge global brewer. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's operations everywhere, everywhere. It's a very dominant player here. Mm. I mean, Peroni, which is another of its, uh, its largest... It's one of its premium brands, apparently. And it's everywhere. Mm. It's everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, so will they do the same to, to Meantime? Will they take a brand like that and improve distribution? I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, but the, uh, at what point does a craft beer stop becoming a craft beer? You know, I don't what, know. what defines a craft beer? I don't know. I think at this moment it might be a good time to, Why to, we try to find out what a craft beer is because uh, we uh, <laughs> we're lucky enough to work next door to Borough Market, which has a fantastic little uh, stall called Uto Beer, and uh, Uto Beer is a uh, connoisseur of uh, craft ales. Mm. So well, there, got... there are other beer stalls available, John. Yeah, but I like Uto Beer. <laughs> <laughs> did they give you a deal on these bottles? No, they didn't. No. They didn't. Right, anyway, okay. Yeah, this is a bit of a departure, so we're gonna, we'll keep it brief. Uh, we might cut it out, actually, if it doesn't work. But uh, Anyway, so let's try, let's try the meantime <coughs> chocolate porter. Right. This is craft beer in action. Right. Oh, Christ. Trying to spit it in the studio. What do we think of this? Right, go for it, chaps. Poor Dominic uh, can't, can't have any. I've given him something else. He's, uh, he's got a pale ale. I've got the London pale ale. Oh, he looks quite happy. And he's got a crate of the other one I've got, Yakima Red at home. Yakima Red, me. yeah. Right, right bottoms up, chat. Cheers. Cheers. That's not bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite pleasant. Malty. Yeah, nice. Okay. You've also got a bottle of brew dog there. Okay, let's try the brew dog. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I wasn't suggesting you open it. I was just uh, going no, to. I do open it. Yeah, no, let's open okay. <laughs> it. This is, honestly, this, you know, we're, now, we're now combining uh, gastronomy with uh, with finance. <laughs> um, Stephen, but I was going to. Uh, Jilly Gordon of the investing world. <laughs> right, this is a brew dog special. Now, brew dog is interesting too. I, I What's gonna... happened with brew dog this week? Well, it's fiercely independent craft brewer. A fiercely independent mm. craft brewer. So Scottish, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. As it happens. That's why it's fierce. <laughs> and independent. <laughs> well. Um, right. Yeah, they uh, celebrated the first five million raised mm. as part of their 25 million equity raising initiative. Which they, they did. And they celebrated by, by dropping some stuffed fat cats over the city, apparently. Sounds very brew dog. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the last time they raised money, which they, 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 they I mean, it's yeah, crowdfunding. Cheers. Right. Yeah. This one is a, a brew dog 5am red ale. Mmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, yeah, exactly. They dropped these fat cats over the city of London because, of course, They've not only have they not gone to the public market, i.e., the, the stock exchange, to raise equity, but they haven't gone to the supposedly disruptive players, the crowd funders, yep. Crowdcube and Cedars. So they, they've 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 not only rejected the establishment, but also the 
you know, the disruptors. Yeah, by, it's, it's interesting. By raising money on their own equity for punks. Yeah, but they raised some platform. money before and they did it. Yeah. It's their own platform. It's, mm. quite, it's really, really quite quite novel. Uh, I think the last time they raised, the first time they raised money, they, they had punks essentially rampaging through the city. And it was, it was quite a sight to behold. But it's a nice model. I mean, well, it's fine if, if you've got the brand and, and you're able to capture people's yeah. attention. I mean, the idea that this is somehow anti-establishment is obviously a bit rich. Well, the interesting literally. thing about, yeah. the interesting <laughs> thing about Brewdog, Brewdog has a tie-up with uh, with a company in, or they own a stake actually in a company over in America called the Anch- Anchor Brewing Company, San Francisco Brewery, which is one of the big craft brewers out mm. there. There is involvement with, with the in, drinks industry guys who have built up and sold these businesses to the big boys. Yeah, you're right. Anti-establishment, yes, to a point. on, on, as, on, as far on as the face it, of it. As far as it raises publicity. This is a, this is a money. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they, they've got some quite ambitious growth plans. This 25 million that they want to raise in total, they're, they're, I think they're opening another 30 bars because they have their own bars as well. well, yeah, well this is interesting, and they also want it? to open a, a beer hotel, which I find a very interesting concept. Oh, a I beer on wait. tap in the bedroom. <laughs> I'm there. Mm. <laughs> right, okay. Um, that's interesting because we wanted to talk about business models in the uh, pubs industry. Yes. So, so Brewdog is is taking a novel route. And we talked about this the other day. It's quite old-fashioned what it's doing. Own the distribution. Yeah, mm. exactly. I mean, the, the, they, the fact they've got bars is, is harking back to a, a former era where brewers had their own pubs. And, and, and that, that, that model still exists to an extent. But the... Um, the beer tie, which is what tied the brewers to their, their distribution networks loosely, is is being unbound. Is that the right word for a tie? No, anyway, loosened. Unbind a tie. Yeah, sounds right. Cut it. It's a bit easy to cut it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, yeah, well, but, it's not, it's not, it. but it's not. But it's not. The beer tie is being loosened by by the parliamentarians. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's being cut entirely because it, basically they've just given publicans basically the option. There's this market rent only option. They can they can opt to pay a market rent only, not a wet rent in the form of um, buying beer from their um, landlord. Yeah, it's a bit confusing because we often think of the landlord being the publican, but in this case, the landlord's the tenant. Anyway, so yeah, the the this this was a bill that they were, the coalition government were pushing through last summer. And then in November, there was a surprise vote um, against the government by the, the House of Commons, um, where they voted to, to insert an amendment saying that there, there should be this market rent only option. And then, you know, then the government accepted that the House had spoken, as I think Vince Cable put it, and, and now it's going through. And this um, caused like enterprise in shares to tumble 13%, I think it was on the day. And um, they've they've recovered since, and and actually last week they came out with a strategic review saying how they were actually going to deal with this issue, which was very interesting. And basically, it, it looks like they're turning themselves into a more well a, a more modern retailing business, effectively, where they will either take the um they they'll either take the properties in house, managing them directly, yeah. or they will have an arm's length arrangement with them where they will where it will be like a commercial property arrangement where okay. you effectively you know just lease on commercial terms a pub to someone so so more like so Mitchell's and butler which owns or operates its own pubs that's managed that's managed that's managed so yeah enterprise wants to do that with some of its pubs which which is a sense good model yeah but it but the best it, model yeah well it, it means you have a lot more control yeah but obviously it's quite uh, you've got to set up a whole management infrastructure you've got to employ people 
you know, full time. It, 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 it's really quite a different business model from being a landlord who also sells beer to, yeah. their, to your to your tenants. So, but in terms of the property business that, that we're talking about here, so so, so, we, so, so there's managed. Split, that's different. It's a prop co-op co type type thing. Yeah. So the managed is is a bit different. That's just like being a retailer. Yeah. But then there's a the property business, which is like being a retailer's landlord. And you, yeah, and, and it becomes an opco, propco. Yeah, is the was the jargon when this was you know, raised years ago. Years ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it never really happened. Didn't no, it? never uh, really happened. And, and um, yeah, and the idea is that uh, enterprises could float off a portion of its estate, which is let on commercial terms as a real estate investment trust. I suppose this is the the point I was making in in, in my column this week was, you know, enterprises shares trade at less than half of its of its book value. And that's partly because the book value has been subject to lots of impairments. But I mean, people, I don't think anyone would expect the value of its pubs to, to halve. Um, but one of the one, but the other issue is obviously that they've had this dysfunctional, they've had this threat of regulation. They've had this dysfunctional business model, the beer tie, which hasn't really, hasn't really made them appeal to property investors because they they don't get, they don't you know the wet rent is a bit odd, mm. um, and it hasn't really made them appeal to people who like retail companies because they don't have the control over their um, outlets that and therefore sales that you'd expect of a retail company so they've had they've been neither fish nor fowl and they haven't really appealed to uh, to investors at all the, and this goes for enterprises and punch taverns which is also a tide bar. which have both had terrible difficulties yeah over the last yeah few years. absolutely i mean de- debt but also just the fact they haven't really been able to generate much growth out from their pubs and i think one of the issues is that they yeah they they don't have the control over their estate that the uh, the likes of Mitchells and Butler do for example yeah, or or yeah. Youngs which had results today hmm. but um yeah I mean it, basically I think enterprise this this strategic review from enterprise does possibly albeit in a very long time pave the way for a re-rating because it, it'll it'll turn into a mixture of a conventional retail business and a property business, mm. and and what I mean, it could it could pave the way to a recovery. I mean, at least it's got a plan. Yeah, it, sounds, it does sound like <laughs> it's it has got a plan. plan. It's, good, it's a good start, but yeah. it, better than it was a few weeks back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we generally, you know, there's pubs that we like, there's pub groups that we like, uh, and we've we have tipped one yes. this week. I mean, the model there is largely managed yeah la- managed and franchised actually right. this this pub company without giving too much of the game away used to have a large tight estate but it's been transferring a lot of it into these kind of novel franchise agreements which was a complete innovation but it it means that it by well has some of the control that you get by wholly owning uh, your outlets mm. but without the um capital intensity okay that's the idea anyway and it's a brewer as well and it's a brewer as well yeah so yeah. okay interesting Interesting developments in the pub industry. We've still got one more beer left to taste um, before we move on to the, uh, the next segment. Then, this is the meantime uh, Yakima Red. So, uh, oh, recommended by Dominic. Recommended by Dom. Mm. This, uh, let's see what this one's like. There you go, Graham. Right, let's try this one, and then we can give our verdicts. Right. Yeah. 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 Nice. I think my no, favourite is the Brew Dog. My favourite is the Brewdog. I'm a punk as well. <laughs> we're all punks, right? We're, yeah. we're uh, high, uh, punks at the IC. So uh, there you go. Sorry, Meantime. It's a good, good brewery, though, Meantime. We do like it. Mm, it's, uh, it's, it's a popular brew. I mean, it's an interesting development generally in the whole uh, eating and drinking model, the, the premiumisation of stuff. And, uh, yeah, beer is no exception. Uh, I think... Uh, there was a the cracking bar down at their uh, brewery. Actually, oh, have they? And a restaurant It's fantastic, well, yeah. 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 Yeah, they gle- gle- gleaming thing. copper vats. Yeah, very impressive. Mm, sounds like yeah. the IC day out. Yes, there we go. On, on the cards. Okay, fantastic. No, but it's, it, as I said, it's interesting, this whole premiumisation. I think uh, there's, a, there's a large and growing segment of the consumer market that 
that that wants something a bit special, wants something a bit different, mm. and prepared to pay a bit more for it. And I think all three of these beers are good. Very and, nice. Yeah. And um, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that the industry is going towards. Uh, I mean, a good example of the results section this week of this premiumization is uh, Patisserie. Yes, um, Patisserie Valerie. Yeah, um, floated last year, um, not so long ago. A very good headline from Ian. What was the headline? I missed it. Patisserie has its cake and beats it. Oh, was oh, from Alex. We was it Alex? Alex. Sorry, Credit. sorry, Alex. Ian's, Ian's got oh, some good headlines in this week, actually. Mm. We'll uh, cover those in a bit. But, you know, um, Patisserie's a really great little business. Um, it was valued quite lowly uh, when it floated mm. and unsurprisingly has uh, has shot up since as the, uh, the trading's proved strong. An interesting one for investment bankers to consider when they're floating companies is that it's much better to come in at a lowish mm. price and offer some growth than come in at a too high price and disappoint everybody. So uh, just one to consider. Yeah. But so no, we like we like patisserie, but it is it's an upmarket. It's an upmarket brand. That said, Greg's, who uh, I don't know if we covered them this week, they're uh, they're flying too, um, and they don't sell upmarket anything. <laughs> 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 uh, that's a terrible thing because they always but they have been trying to so that does show whether well yeah yeah you know where Perhaps. the market's going absolutely but. absolutely but uh, okay so uh, enough of sticky buns let's talk property because we've, we've been talking beer well, and saying, property well, let's talk let's talk commercial property well yeah one of the obvious themes of the of the results season in fact we there's an interesting link here because um new river which uh, mm. is a small uh, property uh, property company that owns a lot of sort of second-rate shopping centres. Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, I'd say third-rate. <laughs> and they probably, w- and they, prob- <laughs> they probably wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the point. They like to buy cheap and sort of improve and get a few new tenants in and then sell. And they, Anyway, they've been doing very well. But funnily enough, they did a deal with Marston's, uh, another pub company, a, a, a couple of years ago, which has been a really... Where they, where they bought a lot of second-rate pubs from Marston's and they've been turning them into convenience stores or and the like. Mm. And that's been, you know, that's been flying. It was a really good deal. Yeah. So we we had a bit of a bet about this, didn't we? Talking we did. We did. Which uh, I've now um, paid in full. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, John. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was covering property, uh, John bet me that New River wouldn't get beyond. I think two pounds or something. Two pounds. Was it one eighty? You've been generous. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think it may, it may have been one eighty. Um, and yeah, it's now at 315p. Mm-hmm. Well, they bought a shopping centre near me and it is a dive in my naivety. You've been kind. Yeah, I am being kind. I didn't see how this model had legs, especially at that point in the cycle. Yeah, they, they floated in 2009 and then struggled for a couple of years. But the last couple of years, their rise has been completely meteoric. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's about asset management, isn't it? It's yeah, like it's taking, taking the asset, asset squeezing it, squeezing the rent out of it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they've done well. So I've, uh, I owe you a pint. Well, actually, I don't anymore. Just yeah, give it <laughs> I'm enjoying it now. The, um, but the, but the, I mean, the, the more um, you know, more readers may be familiar with British Land and Land Securities, the two biggest property companies in the U- on the FTSE, both of which reported their annual results this week, and yeah, very strong results from both, particularly Land Securities, uh, which saw its NAV climb twenty eight percent. That's amazing. Twenty eight. Amazing. Yeah. And um, so, what's what's driving that? Well, um, developments. So both Land Securities and British Land have. You know, they start both started their, their developments again in 2010. Yep, and uh, that's been a real success. And Land Security said that it, it had got to the peak of its construction cycle. It takes ages to get these developments going. So and, they've been and, building big office 
developments in London. So yeah, I mean, the, 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 the cheese grater, for example. The cheese grater is, is the British land, or well, it's a joint venture British yeah. land's involved Walkie with. Talkie. Walkie Talkie is the one, the joint venture between Lands Cooties and Canary Wharf Group, yeah. owned by Songbird, which readers might in, be invested in too. Um, so the, the development portfolio was the biggest driver of these results, but also, um, particularly for Land Securities, the, the retail portfolio is slightly surprisingly, which has been the underperformer, um, did pretty well. And actually, that's what held land, British land back, probably, relative to Land Securities. It's the fact that British land owns a lot of Tesco superstores, and uh, those, unsurprisingly, yeah, well, we talked been, about that. So, have been doing too well. A couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but still, you know, it has a lot of very good stuff as well. So, mm. are these guys approaching the top of the cycle? Then, I mean, where are we with these? Well, actually, Jonas has um, tried to answer that question mm. in Property Matters, and um, I mean, he concludes that there's still some room left in the cycle. I mean, interesting land securities, which has been very, which has been, should we say, more forthright in its uh, willingness to call the cycle. Um, Rob Noel there is 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 a, he came from Great Portland, which is a sort of more um, smaller and therefore slightly more flexible they, they had results this week they had well. results yeah, pretty, pretty yeah, decent pr- too pretty good too yeah so yeah I mean London property owners the, it's funny I mean the, the regional market you know shot into gear a couple of years ago but the London ones hasn't really slowed down actually there, there's a lot of construction going on now um, yeah I saw something this week the crane count is uh, you know, soaring yeah all time <laughs> high um, yeah no absolutely and, and there's a lot of construction and, and so they're there are, there are the beginnings of the end, mm. but it's still the only, only very much the beginnings of the end, I think it's fair to say. And I think it's fair to say, Stephen, that uh, prior to your uh, appointment as company's editor, your uh, calling of the property market, the commercial property market, was spot on. I mean, we've 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 nailed this one. Yeah, we have. <laughs> Actually, Jonas has, has done pretty well since taking it on in mm. terms of uh, picking up the mantle of that. He's made some good calls, so... Okay, commercial property. Some more gas in the tank there potentially, but uh, yeah, done very well. Done very well indeed. What else have we had on the results front, Stephen? Any other, any other biggies? Well, three, any other three, notable three stuff? Three I was an interesting one. Yeah, That's, I like that, yeah, like that, that one. That was a, um, a, a you know underperforming for many years. Um, this is a private equity company. A bit of a complex model. It has its own asset, has its own balance sheet which it invests, but it also does asset management invests other people's money as well mm. but anyway it had a kind of completely unwieldy structure uh, but for the past three years it has done extraordinarily well and and the shares have actually tripled over the past three years since simon borrows arrived as chief executive um and he's sort of reduced the head count by 37 percent i mean really done quite a radical restructuring and uh and, and it's looking in pretty good shape i mean it's been helped by um obviously improving markets over that period and, and the results this the, the annual results were were helped by strong market for real, realizations, i.e., selling businesses. Yeah. Um. So that that crystallizes a certain amount of. The but value. I guess that makes I guess the same market makes it difficult to buy new businesses as well. Prices yes, are, it, prices do, are it, it does. And as were earlier in the cycle. It, it does, and, and and actually that's one of the reasons why we decided to to downgrade the tip. Right. So it was a tip. It was a buy tip, and and Ian Smith, our, our financials guy, decided to. We did debate this one at length, and thought although the market still looks very strong. We'd rather be cautious and put it onto a hold. We still think it's worth holding, but it's not really a buy anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, interestingly, we wrote a feature just before Christmas on uh, the impact that management uh, might have on a uh, company's share price performance and tried to put some some numbers behind this. And Simon Burrows actually came out quite high on the list of, of, uh, of successful chief executives based on the data that we were able to analyse. Um, he, he does seem to have 
made an impression here and must be able to claim some of the credit above and beyond the market helping him out. I think it's, uh, it's quite interesting that uh, as a case study in, in the, the value that manage, good management can add. Uh, often disparaged for being paid too much, but sometimes they're worth it. Mm, absolutely. Okay, thank you, Stephen. That's, uh, that's good. Plenty more results in the magazine this week. Um, lots and lots of big companies that you might have heard of. Uh, Zoopla, Tops Tiles on the, uh, the the residential property side of things. Some, but, some big utilities. Vodafone Talk week. Talk. Vodafone Talk Talk on the uh, the comm side of things. Yeah. Very interesting market there. It's been a bit of a real challenge actually getting those out this week. 20 pages worth. So uh, well done, Stephen. Well done. It no was, problem. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a good effort. I won't say pleasure, but... Uh... <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't a pleasure. Um, it's always but, interesting. But they're, they're good to read. They're good to yeah. read. If you're an investor, I think it's, it's, you know, this is the time you want to be buying the mag and uh, really getting a view on the, on the market as a whole. We'll really start to see these, these big uh, surges of reporting. Uh, when's the next one after this? Is it slowing down a bit next yeah, it's, week? Yes, it's slowing then... down. I mean, it's, it's still, you know, we've got 13 pages of results. This Still pretty chunky. But, but yeah, no, it's slowing down. And, and, then, and then it really surges in late July. Great. Look forward to it. <laughs> Look forward to it. It's my summer holiday sorted. Okay. So I think that's it. I mean, there's, there is absolutely loads in the magazine this week. We've, we've taken a look at Centrica and its deals buying um, more gas from, uh, from Russia and, uh, and Norway. Chris Dillow's written lots on, uh, on bonds this week. Very interesting state of affairs there. Uh, Chris is trying to really shed some light on that. I was quite interested in the transport bus regulation story, the regional bus regulation story, having endured some of the prices uh, <laughs> that, uh, that bus tickets cost out in the stick. Interesting in a market ripe for uh, for a bit of action. Got the uh, stock screen, 14 recovery shares uh, from Algie Hall there. Uh, I'll leave the uh, personal finance content to the, uh, to the team for their podcast. But uh, obviously the big story... Uh, is the cover story, which is the top 50 ETFs. We do this every year, uh, really helping you understand, get to grips with the best products out there, the best passive products that uh, that you can literally build a whole portfolio portfolio out of um, without anything else. So uh, thank you very much for uh, for listening. Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry I couldn't share the beer with you over the airways, but uh, I would strongly recommend uh, all of these beers. Brewdog 5am Red Ale, our favourite. Yakima Red, actually not bad either, nice, quite, yeah. quite similar. Chocolate Porter, a bit specialist, but quite nice too. So yeah. uh, anyway, thank you for tuning in and um, I'll see you all next week.